This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is the Ride with Royce. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. Just happy. I'm happy for the community and Really happy for Hazeltine and, and all the members of Hazeltine and really everybody that had a part in the 2016 Ryder Cup and how successful it was. And it was. It was really, really successful. And, oh, by the way, we won, obviously, and that made it even more successful. And, you know, I'm just happy. I think, yeah, it's a long way away, but 10 years will be here before we know it. That is Jeff Hintz. He was uh, the fellow who uh, was the chief executive officer of the uh, of the uh, previous Ryder Cup, uh, Jeff Hintz. He was so good at what he did, he was ended up getting, getting named the Star Tribune Sports Person of the Year for 2016. Really? He, he was talking to uh, Judd and uh, Phil this morning, uh, and yes, indeedy, out of nowhere this morning, there were no rumors about this that I saw anyway. Uh, Hazeltine has become the first U.S. golf course to be awarded a second Ryder Cup. There has never been two Ryder Cups at one golf course in this this country. Uh, 2028, it is a ways off, but uh, uh, obviously the incredible turnout. Let's face this, the... PGA of America and the European Tour both rely on the Ryder Cup to be a financial bonanza. Yeah. And of all the financial bonanzas that the PGA of America and the European Tour have had with a Ryder Cup, nothing equaled 2016 at Hazeltine. Over 50,000 people, at least Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, the build-up Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. There were big crowds out there. A merchandise tent <laughs> the size of TCF Bank Stadium uh, that's basically sold out by 4 o'clock on Sunday. The only thing they had was three X's and smalls, and not very many of those. Uh, it was fantastic. And here's the only thing I would say about the PGA of America. They didn't really get fooled to think this is how our weather always is from September 30th to October 2. Do they really think 
that you can just come back here any September 30th. Do they not and understand? Have it be 65 and gorgeous. Do they not, not understand <laughs> that we have a history in this state of 30 degree days at the end of September yes, and early October? And there's that <laughs> lake down there, Lake Hazeltine, where at times they've had U.S. Opens here when that wind starts coming off that lake. Yeah. Uh, I'm not predicting snow, but if I'm around in 2028, I'll bet you 20 bucks the weather isn't as good as it was last time. Now, how long have bet you that? Now, how long have they been playing the Ryder Cup? What was the uh, first year? 1927. 1927. Really? So where all, did I read it? All those years, yeah. So 80 years, or no, 90 years, and they've never, never, never had gone a repeat. Back because course. there's so many people that uh, that want to have it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and Europe has used like they had their course over there, the Belfry, which basically the European tour bought, and they had it there several times. But that's got to uh, be high praise. To, that's got to be high praise for Hazeltine to get it again, just twelve years yes, after the first time. And it, now the golf course was set up way easy. Yeah, and uh, you know that that kind of bothered me that they that they made it so easy but that's the way Davis Love wanted it cuz he knew he knew he had better players if they if they stayed out of trouble he knew he had more guys to make birdies than the other team yeah. and he was right and so they made it as easy as it could possibly play particularly on Sunday it was the pins were sitting in the middle of the green and uh, and they were you know they shortened up some of the tee boxes and they they made it as easy as they could but nobody cared there were 55,000 people there. The U.S. was winning, and half of them were drunk. So it was, uh, it, but it was a party, and it was a phenomenal success. There's no doubt about it. Bigger event than I ever thought it uh, imagined it could be. I wasn't surprised that we got huge crowds. I was surprised how many people who didn't see any golf loved being there. That's, <laughs> that, that's what surprised me. But uh, now I called the Hazeltine folks today to try to get a guest on, and they told me they weren't doing interviews. There are a couple of quotes in the various stories, but they told me they aren't doing interviews till April 10th when the PGA of America shows up and they have the big formal, uh, we're coming back to Hazeltine uh, ceremony. In uh, uh, so now here's another reason the Hazeltine is getting this. The Hazeltine has done them a favor uh, by taking the women's PGA, which is the old LPGA. It's kind of the original, made. Uh, it's an original, the original event of the of the Ladies Professional Golf Association, and it the event was having such a hard time finding a location that would keep supporting it with a big purse that the PGA of America actually took it over a few years ago and have renamed it the women's PGA. But again, they were not uh, being terribly successful. And I think Hazeltine took it two years in a row. I think it's 19 and 20. I should have looked that up beforehand, but that, you know, they're, they're rubbing each other's back here. And I, I, I don't know if part of the deal was, we're going to give you another Ryder Cup if you take the women's PGA and do your usual good job with it, but it certainly didn't hurt. And uh, here's another thing you should realize. I was reading, a, somebody did a great piece before the, the PGA, the Ryder Cup here, that's more of an inside golf financial guy. And the European Tour basically makes huge amounts of dollars when the when the PGA, when the Ryder Cup is, when they're the host. Okay. 
They break even because they get a cut. They break even in the years that the Ryder Cup is played here. So every other year, the other two years, the other two years, they lose money. The European Tour, they get supporting their purses and everything. They lose money. So basically, why do they lose money if it's over uh, there? No, no, you only get it. The Ryder Cup's only every other year. Oh, okay, so yeah, that's right. When that's they right. host it, they make a lot of money. Yeah. When it's here, they do. They break even. They okay. they do. Gotcha. Over, they make some money. When it's not, when they don't have, when it's a non Ryder Cup year, they lose money supporting the hurt purses over there. Uh, the European Tour and the PGA of America, which is more of a not quite the the you know it doesn't run the PGA Tour here. It's a different entity. They they make a little money when it's in Europe, a huge amount of money when the Ryder Cup's here, and then the other two years are just kind of breaking even. So okay, so this is a this is a cash cow that is basically keeps European golf going. And uh, it uh, certainly helps the PGA of America. And when you cut through all the slack, uh, you cut through all the the verbiage about uh, the 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 uh, Ryder Cup coming back to Hazeltine. They made more money here than they've ever made anyplace else, and that's reason A. They're coming back here. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Reasons. They enjoyed the golf course. <laughs> they loved the way the Hazeltine responded to it. All of those things. They made more money here than they ever made any place else. That's wow. that's part of it. We love our golf when it's huge, when it's a big event. We yeah. love our golf. So, uh, congratulations to Hazeltine. This is amazing. It it now puts them in the conversation as uh, the top ten or fifteen golf courses in America. We'll uh, be back. This is the ride with Racy. Well, as always, Judd and I went to the hockey game last night. Uh, I think he's been there a couple more times than I have this year. Just a couple more times, yeah. He was in Iowa yesterday. He was in Mason City when I talked to him at 3 o'clock, and we still made it to the hockey game, and he drove me. Uh, the uh, Wild, after their rousing victory over Nashville, uh, which is fighting to have the best record in the uh, NHL on uh, Saturday, I end up losing two to one in overtime to the Bruins. Uh, I thought the uh, Wild was the better team last night, but Rask mm-hmm. uh, Rask was really good in the first uh, period when they could have gotten a jump on him. And uh, the the uh, Wild had some missing persons last night. Charlie Coyle was I don't know. Charlie is uh, I don't think Charlie has turned out to be what they hoped. He's, he's, yeah. he's supposedly he's had a couple of good weeks in a row. Now, now. was Charlie played pretty well? Was Charlie missing literally or figuratively? No, he was playing, but, but uh, he's just was kind of a wall. You know how I base my hockey watching if I notice them. It's not like I'm watching. You know, yeah. If the guy does something that's it, I go, oh, you know, yeah. Or hey, oh, okay. I saw him like the second period was all damn near over before I said. Oh, Charlie's playing tonight. Okay. <laughs> oh, so, there's Charlie Coyle. <laughs> there's Charlie. It was one of those games. And he has been, I think they really thought they were getting a horse when they got him. And certainly he's had moments, you know, he's had yeah. two, three-week periods when he's been pretty damn well, good. Well, wasn't it was a couple of years ago he had a really good year, right? Yeah, I and guess they so. thought that they thought he had kind of turned yeah. the corner a little bit. Well, he's a big, strong guy, but yeah. he's got good hands, too. You know, it's not like he's a blacksmith. 
But uh, I don't know. He just, uh, last night was not uh, one of his uh, better nights as far as being a factor. And Granlin is, wasn't, you know, Granlin's in and out too. I don't know. The way this guy moves his lines around, why doesn't he keep uh, stall with Zucker and Granlin and have, you know, they be That's a back, pretty, that's a pretty put dynamic back together line. a while back. I guess he, I guess Granlin might have been driving. Sometimes Granlin takes a couple of days off. Doesn't it seem like all crazy. NHL coaches do that yeah. though? They just, yeah, well, they, they do. They, they, they can't if, stand if, it. Yeah. If a line gets cold mm-hmm. for, you know, a game or two, they switch everything up. Oh, Cause yeah. yo did the same thing. Sure. But there's not, but this guy's got more talent than you'll ever had. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I mean, they got six, seven guys who are pretty good. Yeah. And Stahl is, oh my God! Stahl's one of the best players they've ever had. Stahl is out of nowhere. I mean, they got him for free. Yeah, basically, it's and he was pretty good last year, but he was he was terrific at times last night. And and uh, you know, he's a big, strong guy. They they get this new kid in there, Jonathan Greenway. They got Niederreiter. They got Stahl. They got uh, Coyle. And now they're going to have this. They're going to have some oof up front. And you know, the old knock against them was always that oh, they can get pushed around. Yeah. How are you going to push around this guy? And this is kind of what Bruce wants, right? Mm-hmm. Because even his teams in Anaheim oh, and, sure. and yeah, in Washington, he, they've and, uh, had big, huge Gets guys. Getzlaff and Corey Perry, Perry are both big guys. Yep. Great. His two best players were extremely talented big guys. Yeah, you know, beat you up a little. Greenway. Bit. Now, I, I was surprised to see that he's uh, wasn't a big goal scorer at Boston U, but then again, he was with the Olympic team for two weeks too in the middle mm-hmm. of the season. But uh, six foot six and two twenty six is his listed weight, <laughs> and haven't seen him a couple of times in the Olympics. He looks bigger than that. You put six foot six on skates, <laughs> and then put him up front. Look out! Know, that's six nine. You yeah, know, that's six nine. Six ten, and uh, he's a monster, and he's going to be in the lineup at Nashville, which would be good. Because next time they have a uh, fight with Nashville, they don't need the Sealer kid to do the fighting. They right. got, they, they're not going to mess with this guy. Do we know what line he's going to be on, or who he's, who he's going to be I with? I don't have any idea. That uh, I suppose the, when they go to the skate tomorrow morning, if 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 uh, in Nashville, that they they'll find that out. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know where you would put him. Uh, they might have dropped old Charlie down a couple of lines and let him work his way back up after the effort the other night. Although, big I was talking to Big Dan Myers, and Dan said that Coyle had actually been playing pretty well. So just I, I happened to show up on a night when uh, he, it was not one of his finer moments, that's for sure. But uh, that uh, Marshawn, who gets the winner, three mm-hmm. on three. And I got to say, one thing about three, you know, when they first tried this overtime before the shootout and played four on four, they settled about 20% of the games, you know, in overtime. Yeah. They all ended up in the shootout, which I hate. Hey, the three on three gets them settled forty percent of the time. I would think. Opens Marsha, up the ice a little Marshawn more. himself has won five games with an overtime goal. Just this five. year, yeah, which is the most ever. I guess wow. it equals the most ever. That was quite a shot, man. He came down a left wing and just boom. Uh, you know, uh, Stalock was in pretty good shape on the right side, and he just boom over his shoulder. See you later. End the game. 28 seconds. That's my idea of overtime, though. 28 seconds. Let's go. Come on. Boom. <laughs> 28 seconds. But they have now lost. I didn't realize this. Uh, somebody mentioned this to Boudreaux last night. 
Remember, they early in the year they won a couple of those overtime matches, uh, overtime games, and they were saying, "Ah, we got this figured out now. We we finally figured this out." And now they've lost five out of six mm. uh, in in uh, of their last six in overtime. So uh, I don't know. And he, here's one thing that really concerned me, Manny, as a guy who's been following Twitter and other sports. <laughs> Suter played 20 minutes in the first two periods. He had 28 minutes. 28 Uh-oh. minutes. Where's the minutes, 28 please? minutes, and then he was out in overtime to start overtime when they scored in 28 seconds. Obviously fatigued. Obviously driven into the ground by a coach who pays no attention to minutes. Yeah. 28 if, minutes. I, I, can you I, imagine if this were Tibbs <laughs> oh, coaching yeah. the Wild instead think, of Bruce Boudreaux? I think there are rumors that Tibbs met with Boudreaux before the game, and that is the Bruce reason. Bruce consulted with yes. Tibbs before what the game. What should I do? He said, play Suter the whole damn game. <laughs> Go back to what Yo used to do. Play him 35 minutes. You know? <laughs> Leave Stahl out there, too. Yeah, yeah, Stahl can play it. with every line. Yeah, I was uh, <laughs> I was looking for the uh, Wild Minute Police to show up, but they... Uh, they were not upset that uh, they don't. It is quite the crowd. I, I, I love the crowd because <laughs> it is really hard to disappoint them. They, <laughs> we've got three points. There. We got three points. We're happy. We got three points against two great teams. Well, yeah, only because the league is so stupid. They give away three <laughs> points. But anyway, this team's in fine shape, and it looks like they're on target right now to play Winnipeg in the first round, and that'll be great. Oh, that'll, that'll be, be fantastic. And Those crowds you know, will be great. I, I talked to the uh, uh, analyst on the broadcast, Mr. Tom Reed. Mm-hmm. He's in favor of a series with Winnipeg, I can tell I, you that. I, I bet you he is. As a guy who just opened his new uh expanded back of the uh, bar there. Uh, he should put up a big sign that says, Canadians only if Winnipeg shows up or something. That would be, uh, oh, that, be that, w- that would be the best that uh, West 7th has been uh, in uh, in since 2003 probably. And you and you almost you just almost hope it goes a full seven games. Oh sure, it, it probably be fantastic. will. It will. Yeah, there's neither of those teams can beat the other one in fewer than six for sure. So yeah, so Reed will get his three games. That's that's what comes. <laughs> lots of uh, lots of beers to be sold down there. All right, we shall return. A hey, at four forty or so. Scott Sandal and the coach of the UMD Bulldogs just barely by the you know the hair on their chinny chin chin. They got into the. Uh, NCAA tournament, and now they have reached the Frozen Four in St. Paul, where they won their only national championship. Will it be back? Yeah. Johnny Height uh, just doesn't seem like baseball's in the air, does no. it? We're, uh, we're three days away from the opener in Baltimore. We just had a snow out in Martinsville, Virginia <laughs> for the uh, NASCAR race. And uh, yeah, I got a hunch. Uh, I, I don't know. It's in here. It's going to be a lousy. It's not going to have any warmth all week. So I mean, fifty. What the hell is that? So, fifty, but then it falls back into the thirties. I know. Us, so. I mean, we only got ten days here. Let's go. Come on. We want some weather. The extended actually for that Twins opener 
Uh, of course, that can change, but uh, right now they're broadcasting 41 for a daytime high. Mm-hmm. Well, that won't even sold be the out. coldest. They announced today, sold, uh, sold out. Sold so out. That's yes. all right. They got whiskey for sure. I was, I was there for that <laughs> opener against the Tigers when Vance, oh. when the Vanimal took the, the, took Vanimal. the hill to open the season at 35 degrees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's up. Yeah, this, this will be better than having the Vanimal out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No matter who it is. It's going to be Gibby, though. So. Yeah. For, for that day, right? Yeah, yeah get right. The this update sponsored by Shell. Get the feeling of being rewarded with gold status at Shell with the Fuel Rewards program. Download the Fuel Rewards app, join, and start saving five cents a gallon today. Ryder Cup coming back to Minnesota. Tweet on the official Ryder Cup account this morning confirming the announcement from the PGA of America that the event will again be held at Hazeltine National Golf Club in Chaska in 2028. Of course, it was held there in 2016. That year saw the U.S. claim its first victory in the event since 2008. According to a release from the PGA of America, Hazeltine will become the first American course to host a second Ryder Cup. Four English courses have hosted uh, or already hosted two or more. PGA of America and Hazeltine national officials will tell us more. 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, a press conference at the golf course. I, I think the one this year is in Paris, isn't it? I believe I you are in correct. Paris. I'd, I'd like to cover that one. I covered one. I covered one in Spain. I'd take the one in Paris. I'd come out of retirement to cover that one. <laughs> Forward Jordan Greenway signing a three-year entry-level contract with the Wild today. Uh, yesterday, his college team, Boston University, was eliminated from the NCAA tournament by no Michigan. No negotiations took place until after that, though. There no, I'm sure. Of course not. No. None whatsoever. <laughs> Wild also announcing forward Zach Mitchell's been reassigned to the Iowa Wild of the American Hockey League. Uh, the 21-year-old Greenway recorded 35 points, including 13 goals in 36 games during his junior season at Boston University. Uh, he's listed, uh, Patrick, you said he thought he might be a little bit bigger, but he's 6'6", 226 is yeah, what they listed. At least. At, at least. least. <laughs> he's 6'6", six, six, and the 226 might be light. <laughs> It wear jersey 18 for the Wild, and Wild's GM Chuck Fletcher told reporters he thinks Greenway will be uh, there tomorrow to make his NHL debut when the Wild take on the Nashville Predators. Well, Fletcher should know, shouldn't he? If I he doesn't think know, so. uh, you know, he thinks. Uh, tell him, <laughs> yes or no. You know, buddy. Uh, Casey Middlestad leaving the Gophers hockey team. Ooh, that's a kick in the groinal. Yeah, he's uh, going to join the Buffalo Sabres. They tweeted today they signed him uh, to a three-year entry-level contract today. Middlestad, six foot, two hundred one-pound forward, picked eighth overall in the twenty seventeen NHL entry draft. He was second on the Gophers in points this past season. I don't think he played 30. a junior year either, did he? He came right out of high school, didn't he? I think so. Yeah, but the guy who coaches uh, Buffalo is familiar with that since he went from Saint, <laughs> South St. Paul High School to uh, the Buffalo Sabres. Isn't it about time for the Sabres to start? We'll have to talk to our guy Caller about that. It's mm-hmm. about time for the Sabres to get good again. They've been yeah. lousy forever. Yes, and they, uh, they they almost tanked this year to get a good draft choice. But we'd like to see our guy Phil Housley start winning a few more yeah. games. Yeah, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twins off today. They'll play at Washington, their last exhibition game tomorrow. Uh, then they open the season on Thursday in Baltimore. First home game, as we said, is Thursday, April 5th against Seattle. The Twins announcing today the opening day game is now sold out. That'll be a 3-10 start on Thursday the 5th. And uh, as we said, the weather forecast calling for about a 20% chance of rain with a high of 41 mm-hmm. on that day. Uh, go get them, boys. One other uh, American League note, the Yankees announced Greg Bird will undergo surgery to You cannot keep him healthy, right, Johnny? No. What now? Remove a small broken spur on the outside aspect of his right ankle, Oof. whatever that means. He'll miss six to eight weeks as a result. 
Uh, back in 2016, he had to sit out the entire season after undergoing shoulder surgery. Then he missed most of last season with a right foot injury. He's 25, and the Yankees have been waiting for a while uh, for uh, his uh, health. Okay, and uh, before you sign off, i got a steaming hot take Uh-oh. for you boys. Yeah. Uh, greatest Minnesota hockey player ever, Phil Housley. And unfortunately, he didn't. He left here after high school and never came back here, and we don't appreciate the fact that the kid went from South St. Paul High School to <laughs> the lineup in the NHL, and within about two years, he was one of the best offensive defensemen in the league. Oh, that's a hot sports That day. is a hot, that's a steaming <laughs> hot, piping hot sports day. All right. We'll be back with Scott Sandlin. Lankford sweeps it toward the net. It was picked up in front, cleared. It's going to come all the way down and just missed the net. But time expires. Minnesota Duluth is going back to the Frozen Four. And it's where they've won it before. Scott Sandlin is the UMD coach, has been since the year 2000. You're pretty high on the seniority list now that Don Lucia is uh, stepping down, uh, Scott. Yeah, it's it's been a while. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's been a real good eighteen years here in Duluth. So, and uh, looking forward to next weekend. Yes, uh, fourth time going to the uh, Frozen Four. Uh, you won it in St. Paul uh, a few years back, and of course you went last year and got to the finals. This uh, this one had to be a little more unexpected, not because of the t- talent of your team, but uh, about uh, six o'clock a week ago Saturday, it wasn't looking <laughs> too good. No, we left uh, we left uh, the, the XL there and, and uh, losing to North Dakota and had a. A pretty uh, emotional bus ride going home because uh, we knew there was a couple teams, obviously, that if they won, we were in. But uh, those didn't happen, and then this other scenario came out. So <laughs> um, we had another life, and we got back just in time to to the arena and watched the end of the uh, Ohio State Notre Dame game. So it was uh, it was nice after that. Obviously, we we knew once uh, Notre Dame won, we were we were in. But uh, I, I think. Uh, I think it really hit home with our players too because they were watching it in, in, in the locker room. But I think uh, they really appreciated getting that uh, that opportunity again when it kind of looked like uh, we didn't uh, and weren't going to get that opportunity when we left the rink. And I think people uh, probably don't uh, aren't uh, you know down here at least aren't quite uh, as sure as uh, what a good team you guys had. I mean, you guys had two fantastic streaks. You had what uh, six out of seven right before the WCHA tournament started. You swept, uh, you know, Western Michigan, and then you had a real good run earlier in the year too. You at times you've been uh, really, really good, right? Yeah, you know, I think uh, obviously we had a lot of turnover from last year, and you know, some new, a lot of new faces, especially on the on, on the back end and and in goal, but. Uh, I think uh, November was a hard month. We had a bunch of injuries, too. But, you know, come the second half, uh, we started to play more consistently. We got off to a good start with, uh, you know, getting on a six-game winning streak and beating CC in North Dakota. And and that kind of, you know, kind of sprung us into that second half. And I thought we played more consistently. And the younger players, uh, you know, got better and and kind of grew into the league. But, uh, you know, we we stumbled in in the league tournament. And, Sometimes when you come out of that, if you don't win a game, even if you're in the tournament, it's hard to it's hard to rebound. But I'm really proud of our team. They they had a good week, and like I said, I think that the way we got into the tournament maybe helped that. 
because uh, they they had a greater appreciation for how hard it is to get in there. Hey Scott, uh, how th- you know from when you started in two thousand, how thin are the margins now between you know oh. uh, you know Air Force? Okay, you know two thousand, you didn't really uh, feel like it was much of a threat, uh, but I mean the margins. It seems to be they're all one goal games. It's unbelievable. Yeah, the parity in college hockey is tremendous right now, and that's been growing, uh, you know, over probably the last five, six years for sure. I mean, I know back, uh, even when I was an assistant in North Dakota, you had your, you know, your true powerhouses and maybe saw an upset or two. They're not upsets anymore. I mean, everybody's, uh, really, really good hockey teams and, and, and certainly good coaching staffs and, uh, it is. I think it is through the whole year too, Pat. I oh think, yeah, yeah, that's that's like you know, kind of what I was saying. That NCHC yeah. man, oof. It's just uh, you know, and even going out of conference. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's a bounce here, it's a bounce there. So um, it seems like there's a lot more of those games, which are, are fun uh, to play in, and and certainly uh, you know the tournament this year has been that way. You know, up until you know last weekend. And right off the bat, uh, in the tournament last weekend, you end up getting Mankato, which is, uh, that's a pretty good club, right? No, I thought, uh, we played that twice uh, during the year, once uh, in November and then once in January, and I thought uh, they were one of the top teams we played all year, and, you know, we split with them and had, again, two, two one-goal games, and um, I thought they were very deep. I thought uh, they had really good balance to their team, and you know, there's a reason they won 29 games during the year and won the WCHA. They were a very good hockey team, and and we uh, obviously dug out of a hole and kind of kept clawing back in it, and thought we won it right away in overtime. But we had to get a second one to to get the job done. But it was uh, it was a real good hockey game. It was a real tight hockey game against a very good team. Hey, uh, Scott, uh, three, the, the other three teams there are all out of the Big Ten, including Notre Dame, which just joined this year. But I don't think a strong Big Ten is bad for Western hockey, do you? I mean, your league is, your league is already established as, uh, as a, a league where you gotta go, you know, you gotta, gotta grind it every weekend. And I think uh, probably having a good Big Ten is good for everybody. Well. I know you hear a lot of that uh, in the past about that that league was down, but I mean, you look at the teams that are in there, and um, <laughs> they're good hockey teams. Uh, you know, um, Michigan might have had a couple down years, but you know, you look at what Steve's done at Ohio State; they're back in the mix. Penn State's good, Minnesota's always good. You know, those teams are always right there, and obviously Wisconsin, same thing. But you know, but this goes along with what the rest of the college hockey world is. There's a lot of good hockey teams, and. Uh, they had a very good year in non-conference, which helped uh, their league, which has been a kind of uh, a key for our league, too, being good, at, good out of conference, which has helped at the end of the year in the pairwise. You lost uh, a big hunk of your scoring uh, last year. Who's uh, made that? And I just was looking at your scoring now. It's it's extremely balanced, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we don't, have, we don't have a guy that's over a point a game. <laughs> um, you know, so... It's it's been uh, you know we we liked our forward group going in I think we didn't have maybe the the big uh, difference maker or the big line but we have uh, you know four lines that have all contributed and that's kind of how we've done it all year and our back end has been you know uh, really good Scott Brunovich has had an outstanding year for a freshman and really brings a lot of offense but we've gotten some really good contributions from from our from our back end guys like Dylan Sandberg and, and Mikey Anderson and, and Nick Wolf. I think Nick Wolf has seven goals, so uh, you know it's helped out. But uh, you know it's just kind of how our team has been built. Uh, you know we're not uh, a high-powered offensive team. I think we're, we play pretty well defensively, and 
probably the key for us this year was was getting the goaltending. We you know we lost Miska last year, and we kind of went in again with a kind of an unproven goaltender. But Hunter Shepard's played outstanding for us, and uh, he's really been a guy that solidified our team. Scott, uh, the uh, what's the new arena done for you up there, Amsel? Well, it's been great. You know, uh, I still miss the Ducks at times because it was a fun place to play because it was such a small ice surface. Yeah. A lot of teams didn't like to come in there, but uh, <laughs> no, it's it, it's been great. Uh, you know, it's a really really uh, nice facility, and, and you know the people are, you know, still on top of it. I think it has a little bit of the deck feel, um, but just you know, obviously newer and a little bit bigger. But uh, you know, it's helped. There's no question. I think uh, the amenities. Uh, Especially in today's world, everybody you know has beautiful facilities, and you know you kind of need that. And I think it's really helped. Uh, it's helped us, and uh, it's not the be-all end-all, but it's uh, you know we're certainly glad that it happened, and, and uh, you know we're excited to, to be playing in there. It's another big change since 2000. You know, Gary Bettman got a lot of uh, heat about his southern expansion of that stuff, but uh, you can get hockey players from anywhere now. You got it, it's been fun to watch it grow. I mean, a lot of the non-traditional markets, uh, you've seen a lot of good players. I mean, taking Austin Matthews, who's from Arizona, you know, yeah. guys like that. But, uh, you know, it's fun to see it grow, and I think the NHL's had a big part in that. And where uh, do you, are you pretty much in your traditional recruiting grounds? I suppose you, the USHL, a lot of those kids end up there, and then everybody's uh, scouting them and recruiting them out of there, I, I suppose, the kids from all around the country. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we certainly still kind of go to the same areas. I mean, obviously, our state's been a, you know, a big producer for us. Uh, a lot of those kids end up in the USHL or the North American League. Some even end up in some of the Canadian Junior Leagues. But, you know, we haven't uh, spent a ton of time out east. Uh, we're pretty much a Midwestern, you know, recruiting base and, and certainly Western Canada. But, you know, we've gone other places. But that's pretty much our primary. So we're looking at those leagues, obviously, the way recruiting's gone, you're tracking kids a lot younger now, which is a little crazy, but, uh, you know, it's something that the, the trend is kind of going that way. Scott, uh, you're going back to the X where uh, UMD won its first uh, title. Uh, what what kind of uh, uh, feeling, I don't want to say get the monkey off the back because there wasn't, uh-huh. but what kind of a feeling was that to, okay, we got one now and we can go on from here? Uh, it was awesome. Uh, you know, to to do it in our state, uh, to do it in that building, obviously it's a great building. You know, to do it in front of a lot of our fans uh, that were able to to get there um, and to be the first uh, you know team in program history to do it, I think uh, it was pretty special. So um, you know, last year we had an opportunity again, came up a little short. Hopefully this year we can get that same kind of opportunity to to be in that last game and and maybe do it again. But it was uh, it would it would mean an, again an awful lot to to win another one, especially to, to maybe be able to do it in St. Paul. Hey Scott, one uh, now you get the you get the long break uh, before the uh, Frozen Four uh, every each time. What do you what do you do? Do you uh, do you give them a couple of days off? Do you practice them every day? How's that work? Uh, no, today today we uh, they kind of went out and they have their little uh, whatever they call it, a little young old game. So they went out and had some fun today. Tomorrow we'll we'll give them the day off and we'll get back at it on Wednesday and and kind of get after it there for you know the next four days and probably give them Sunday off and then Monday Tuesday and kind of back to a normal week. So um, that's kind of our schedule right now. So uh, I think it's important that they get away um, just to kind of get their their heads cleared and kind of catch up with school and get their rest and 
but we'll uh, we'll get after it again on Wednesday. Hey, uh, Scott, thanks for your time, and good luck down here, sir. Okay, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Pat. Uh, all right, uh, thank you. Scott Sandlin, the coach of the UMD Bulldogs, headed to the Frozen Four. Yes, the University of Minnesota will be at the Frozen That's Four. Right. Yes, we'll be back. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history. Patrick. It's all over. Michigan State University. National champions, 1979. Everyone wants to be number one. But only one can make it. Larry Bird, a great star, congratulates the victor. Urban Johnson leads his Michigan State team to the final score. 75-64. On this day in 1979, yes, uh, the Magic and Bird rivalry really started uh, when uh, those two teams played each other in the national championship game. Michigan State was favored going into that game. Indiana State, even though they were unbeaten, was considered kind of an upstart because they were uh, not coming out of a, uh, well, they were coming out of the Mo Valley. And uh, same place Loyola's coming out of, by the way. 75-64, Michigan State won that game. Uh, Larry Bird had enrolled at Indiana, where he was going to play for Bobby Knight. But he's a small-town hick, if you've seen him. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> saw where he grew up, French Lick, Indiana. Got homesick. Didn't like the uh, didn't like Bloomington of all places was too big for him. Yeah. Went back home. Ended up in Indiana State. Averaged thirty points a game as a sophomore, a junior, and a senior. The uh, Sycamores were undefeated, thirty three and all going into that game against Michigan State. That was Judd Heathcote's team. Magic uh, was the guard. He could play anywhere on that team. And of course, he had the great Greg Kelser was with him on that team. Um, and, uh, Bird had scored 22, 29, 31, and 35 in the first four NCAA tournament games. Uh, Michigan State went after him and, uh, basically held him down that night. Kelser, uh, did a lot of damage guarding him. And, uh, without Bird, Indiana State was really overmatched. He was seven for 21 shooting, uh, that night, uh, 19% below his tournament average. Uh, Magic was the outstanding player of the tournament. Uh, it, now, I read something that is saying Bird played outstanding defense. Uh, I think somebody might have been <laughs> giving him. If he did, he managed to avoid doing that. A little hyperbole through, there. He, <laughs> he managed to avoid doing that during a long and illustrious NBA career. Uh, neither Magic or Larry spent a lot of time worrying about that phase of the game, which was part of the reason that made him so great. Anyway, the rivalry started March 26, 1979. Magic beats Bird 75 64.